Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to another T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson, and I've got a special guest today in the room in Lisa Hudson. Welcome, yep. Lisa. Hi. Um, Lisa is, I'm, I probably should have prepped this, but Lisa is a nutritionist, which is how you know. Nutritional therapist. Nutritional therapist. And it's probably important to check that right. <laughs> Nutritional therapist. Now, I met Lisa uh, a few months back. I was introduced to Lisa um, probably before Christmas, I think it was, Lisa. Mm, yeah. um, and reason being is because, as many people know, work with us. I've got Sjogren's syndrome, which is an autoimmune disease, recently diagnosed about a year ago. Um, and in my journey of sort of researching what autoimmunity is and what it means for me, I got more and more sort of intrigued by the gut-brain uh, connection and by the gut health link and the leaky gut sort of link to fixing autoimmunity or mm-hmm. certainly reducing autoimmunity and where it comes from. And what that means is is that basically everything we put in ourselves and everything that goes in the gut drives and regulates everything else in the body. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's enough knowledge and people and information around this. Oh, there's lots of information, but very few people are aware of it. So nutrition plays a key role in our ability to be happy, self-fulfilled, productive, yeah. have energy, perform at work. And as you know, we've got a whole section on the hub on nutrition. So Lisa came in today to actually just see me <laughs> for a review because <laughs> we've been tweaking with my diet to bring inflammation down and to help help reduce my symptoms and it's been a wonderful journey so far it's not finished so I just literally dragged Lisa in and said Lisa can I ask you a few questions and record a podcast and here I am and here you are so thanks Lisa so we haven't prepared anything but I guess as a starting point people who will be listening to this Lisa are likely to either be managers or HR professionals or just people in the workplace and quite often uh, the nutritional well side of well-being goes under the radar. We're not focused on that as much as we are, say, mental health or or stress in the workplace or whatever it might be. But I guess you feel passionately that actually it has to be important because it drives everything. Yeah, and I I kind of love and hate the phrase "you are what you eat" yeah. because of where it came from. But it actually it's slightly untrue as well. It's the fact that we are what we absorb, and that's where the digestive system and the gut comes in. Because often when we take in food, and even somebody who's taking in really healthy food, the digestive system isn't working efficiently and doing the job that it's supposed to do. Actually, they won't absorb the nutrients they need, so then they still feel rubbish. And you can look at this brilliant diet that somebody has but they still don't feel well and actually is about what we can absorb and what the body can Mm -hmm. then utilize to enable us to be fit well and healthy yeah and 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 we put this huge uh, onus at the minute on mental health and the stigma around mental health but as we know um your nutrition your diet your ability to absorb nutrients the way your the the state of your gut and your gut health Will is massively impactful on mental health. Absolutely. And everybody knows the saying, I've got a gut feeling. Yeah. And nobody, you know, for years we've said that and people have understood that there's something that goes on in the pit of your stomach that says, that's good, that's bad, you know, be careful, you know, Mm. whatever it might be. 
But nobody's then associated the fact that there's actually a physical thing going mm. on. And there's more and more references now to the second brain, which is the gut. And it's the bacteria that live there that actually can speak directly to the brain. So if the bacteria in the gut are actually out of kilter, what can happen is it can have massive effects on kind of mental health and particularly outcomes for depression. There's more and more research being done around changing the gut bacteria and how that impacts on people's mental health, particularly in depression, and how it can change mood just by changing those yeah. bacteria. And believe me, right, I've been there, not not with mental health, deep mental health issues or depression, but since my autoimmunity, I have I have struggled with an array of symptoms, which absolutely, even for me and people who know me, right, I'm, I'm at times larger than life. I'm taking on the world, I, I, et cetera. I take risks, and I, but at times it even stops me in my tracks when I feel fatigued, when I feel dizzy, when I can't concentrate. Um, and that's what, um, that's what can happen if you're fueling your body with stuff, and certainly for me, which is then causing more inflammation, which causes an array of symptoms. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's hard. It really, really is hard. So the work I've done with you so far, I've seen probably more results than I have seen in two years worth of specialists, consultants and rheumatologists and all these other it's bits. Always great. I've always avoided getting stuck straight into into drugs and, and uh, autoimmune suppressants and all of that type of yeah. stuff. And I'm glad I have because... Uh, we've still got a way to go with with my journey. But mm. for, for those who are listening, I did a gut test with Lisa. And this is something I want to just bring in, Lisa, mm. right now. The moment that sort of really gave us a direction was I did a gut test. And it cost me about 250, 300 pounds, I think it was at the time. But it goes off to a, a laboratory in Norway. They test the DNA uh, from a DNA perspective. They test your yeah. gut health. And it actually came back with a report which talked to me about what was going on inside my gut. Yeah. And we found with me, without getting too technical, we found that our, most of my gut was okay, but I was suffering from an overgrowth of candida. Yeah. And candida is not good if you've got <laughs> if you've got an overgrowth. So that gives us a direction forward because the, then the plan was if we can reduce the candida and restore the gut balance, then we're far more likely to get my autoimmune symptoms under control, which will yeah. allow me to have more energy yeah. and perform better and do all the great things. And that's it. People see, you know, you get to your GP one day, you're not feeling well, you get a diagnosis and it's like all of a sudden you've got this condition. But actually no condition comes on like that. Conditions come on over a period of time and it's a bit like kind of the final straw. The final straw is the day you get diagnosed but underneath that final straw is a basket of straw of things that have happened, of changes in your health, the way you've eaten, how you've lived your life, what your genetics are doing mm. that have then predisposed you to get that diagnosis. Yeah. And actually treating just that diagnosis on its own in some ways is quite short-sighted because, you know, you're often just masking symptoms, managing symptoms, where actually the beginning of that condition may have started 5, 10, 15 years ago. You know, I had a client that had, again, autoimmune type condition, um, and we traced it back. Again, we'd done a similar test to the one we did with you. She had a gut bacteria that we think she picked up while on holiday 12 years previously, having got food poisoning on holiday. There's a bacteria that's lived within her that was triggering this response. We killed off the bacteria. All her symptoms improved. You know, I'm not saying that we cured it, but there was a massive improvement in those symptoms yeah. to the extent when she saw her consultant, a, col a consultant didn't believe the results. And this is why I feel passionately about nutrition and why I wanted to get you to record this with me, Lisa, because over two years of me, uh, of my journey, 
the conversations with consultants and and practitioners and in, in the healthcare sector was all the same. Martin, it's an autoimmune disease. There's nothing you can do. You've just got to treat and manage the symptoms. And if the symptoms become too, uh, you know, unbearable, we can give you some immunosuppressants, right? So that was my options. Whereas you was the first person who said to me, no, 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 let's find the root cause and try and heal that. And the symptoms will take care of themselves or at least significantly reduce. Yeah. And then when you think about that, it, Anybody, you don't have to have an autoimmune disease to to start going down and investigating your gut health, or start to just get a picture of. For, for me, if anybody's listening to this, because you're talking, you, you know, I'm, I can talk as someone who's got who left it to. I've got autoimmunity, right? But if 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 someone's listening to this and you think, well, sometimes I feel tired, sometimes I'm not my best. I do get migraines a lot. I get headaches. I've got anxiety. Whatever it might be. The best 250 to 300 pounds you could spend is a gut test, right? Because at least it will give you a snapshot right here and now. If, if there's anything progressing that could cause you further problem further down the line, let's get ahead of it now, right? If I'd have done a gut test yeah. three years ago, I might not be here, right? As, well, I'd be here, but yeah, I, I might not, <laughs> not be in the same situation. In the same situation. So I'm probably going to do one every year now, right? Just to just to see if I'm on top of things with my diet and you know and and if it's balanced. So. I want, I want to ask you two things, but progressing into that then, what we've written three pathways on the nutritional section of HUB, mm. and we've focused on three things in particular, the effects of caffeine on performance, the effects of carbohydrates on performance, and the effects of sugar. And one of the things yeah. you've taught me, Lisa, is those three are the things I loved the most, <laughs> which is the things that are affecting me the most. Yeah. So they're obviously three. Do you think they're the big three, or is there any others? If your diet is heavily loaded with them, that it's going to potentially cause you some performance issues. They're probably the big three, but the flip side of it is, and one of the things that, and we didn't do it with your diet, and we're just starting to do it now, is actually putting good stuff in as well, because often we get carried away with taking out. We've got to take out caffeine. We've got to take out sugar. And all these things that we're trying to take out need to be replaced by something. And actually, having small amounts of sugar or having small amounts of caffeine isn't that detrimental to our health in a diet that's very good the rest of the time yeah. and really nutrient-rich. So we're getting lots of fiber, lots of nutrients in there. Then actually your body's much more resilient. The days when you're not really doing your best and, you know, those naughty little bits kind of sneak in, the more you're looking after your diet and putting the real good stuff in, actually the better off you're going to be in the long term. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So carbohydrates, sugar, um, and caffeine in too much excess and relying on them to get through the day too much, which in office in offices and people who travel on the road and traveling salespeople and all that type of stuff, it's full of those three things, sandwiches, coffees, yeah. sweets, chocolate, just to get you through the day. Yeah. And that's where if you if that becomes habitual, it becomes an issue. Yeah. Whereas in moderation with a well-balanced diet, it's not an issue, right? But yeah. I, I, I think we are seeing workplaces which heavily rely on carbohydrates, sugar, and caffeine yeah. to get through the day. What yeah. do you do? And particularly that afternoon slump, and everybody kind of goes, oh, yeah, three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm ready for a sleep. And often that's driven by heavy carbohydrate-based lunch, which has that sedative effect. Mm. Carbohydrates affect the brain, make us more sleepy. So when we're having that kind of sandwich at lunchtime, often we will feel very tired. So then you're going, I need something to pick myself up. So you have a coffee, you have something sugary. But then there's a real drop in your blood sugar level, 
which again causes a secondary slump. And we need to manage that through the day much more efficiently to keep us alert and stay kind of wide awake through the whole of the day rather than just in patches. So if people are going to make a few decisions or a few replacements, the the way I try and do it now is if you're going to have the odd tree, have it at the weekend, but try and at least stay Monday to Friday with, like, for example, I've replaced sandwiches with salads. Yeah. And I can still be fulfilled because I have chicken in my salad, I have eggs, I have asparagus, I have lots of things that fill the salad out, but I have a leafy salad rather than the bread. Yeah. You know, sandwich. That one change, five days a week, could make a whole difference to the state of the gut. Absolutely. And, And the second one I've done is I used to have a coffee in the morning, coffee before lunch, coffee mid-afternoon, and then I might squeeze one in at 4.30. I was on maybe three or four a day. I now have my morning coffee because that's the one I enjoy the most. Yeah. And I very rarely have another one. If I do, I might have my mid-afternoon one, but not every, it doesn't have to be every day out of habit. I have yeah. it maybe once or twice a week when I feel like it, but yeah. I try just to have the one. So small changes without a huge sacrifice can work massively, right? Yeah, they can make a really big difference. And I think there's been so much emphasis on really kind of strict fat diets, you know, where people are giving up this, giving up that. And actually, our diet needs to be varied. Yes, we rely too much on carbohydrates, particularly starchy carbohydrates. You know, if you think about most people's average day, it's toast for breakfast or cereals for breakfast, sandwich at lunchtime, pasta at the evening meal. You've had the same food ultimately in different guises in three times over, where actually we want lots and lots of variety in there. If you had this, you know, the pasta for your evening meal, but you'd had like a soup or a salad at lunchtime. You'd maybe had some eggs for breakfast. You've got the variety in there and it's that variety that's always going to be key. Love it. So have the variety, don't get caught up because the big three as well that we're talking around, certainly sugar and carbs, we're not built as animals to con- to to digest them. We never were, right? There's a great saying, I can't remember what book it was from or something, that if it hasn't lived or it hasn't grown in the ground, don't eat it, yeah. right? And when you think about sugar and carbohydrates, we've, in the Western world, we've manufactured this diet over the years. It's not natural. As, as dairy is another one, right, Lisa? I'm going to ask you on this because... Mm-hmm. I, since having autoimmunity, I have to come off dairy because it does infl- anything that causes inflammation is a problem for me. But we are the only species on earth that drink the milk of another species. Yeah. And when you really think yeah. about that in cow's milk, right, every other animal drinks its own species milk yeah. apart from humans, right? So yeah. even that's why lactose intolerance, it's where it comes from. It's not a fad. It's where it comes from, right? But this particularly um, in Asian culture, so people that are of Asian heritage, there's a lot of evidence to say that they just don't make the enzymes, the lactase enzymes to produce it, to break down dairy. Western culture, we tend to be slightly more tolerant of it, but some individuals still really aren't. And how much lactase we produce as we age will often reduce as well. So we tend to produce a lot more when we're younger. So we'll tolerate dairy a lot more easily. But as we age, we tolerate a lot less. Yeah. So even just when you think about people in the workplace now listening to this, if you're one of those people who was like me and you was having four cappuccinos a day made from full fat milk, yeah. right, with the caffeine adding to that, that is a big ask for the gut to break down and and and, and to cope with, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, you know, and particularly if you're lacking in the in the lactase enzymes to enable you to break that down, you're gonna feel really unwell, really uncomfortable bloating, from that bloating, yeah, all, all that type of stuff. Yeah, and skin problems, eczema, 
you know, all of that type of stuff? Yeah. Was it classic reactions to not breaking dairy yeah. down? Yeah. yeah, the other side of it as well is, you know, for people that suffer with IBS, it's one of the real key, real key triggers for real urgency to go to the toilet mm. as well. So when people are having a, like portions of dairy, and sometimes for them it doesn't have to be massive amounts, but they'll get a really sudden kind of urgency to go very, very quickly after consuming it as well. So that's, that's a telltale sign. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Right, we touched upon something and I want to really just, just ask you the question on it because I want, I, since having gone through it myself, I believe in it, um, which is coming back to this, having a little bit of an MOT on your gut, having a bit of a snapshot um, health check on the gut, which is highly accurate these days with science and with DNA yeah. testing to test for things like parasites, for uh, good bacteria, back bacteria, overgrowth, so things like candida that, yeah. that came up in mine. Um anything which might be given as an indication of why we're struggling with the symptoms we're struggling. And it's not just physical. It's not just you might be having headaches or migraines or bloating or fatigue. It could be anxiety. Yeah. It could be there is a correlation between an unhealthy gut and chronic anxiety, sometimes depression, right? So it might be that we're treating the issue mentally that, you know, from a mental perspective and people are going through cognitive behavioral therapy right? People are on antidepressants. People are, but if they're not targeting the core trigger of that stress and anxiety, which could be, I say simple, but it could be as simple as restoring your gut health. That's, we're missing a trick. So what, where do you stand on? I know it's at the minute you've got to pay for these, these gut tests, Mm. but many organizations and many clients are now asking me, you know, as a HR professionals and as a business, should we be providing a care package that allows certain employees or whatever it might be to, to have access to this so we can take a snapshot of their health and maybe put them on a plan, a simple plan with some supplements and probiotics. We reduce, restrict their diet for a period of time, restore the gut health and it in turn could make a massive difference mentally. Oh, yeah. It can massively impact their health overall because, you know, for most conditions, everything starts in the gut. A large proportion of your immune systems in your gut, things like your sleep can be affected by your gut health. So we make... um, depending on the research that you look at, between 70 and 90% of our serotonin in the gut. So your serotonin is your happy hormone. Yes, yeah. But it's also the thing that's converted to melatonin to help us sleep. So if your gut's not healthy, healthy your sleep's probably not going to be great. As we mentioned, depression, anxiety. Knowing what's happening in the gut can be really key for people to understand just the basics of their health. You know, and it's rare that people come back with a real kind of shining example of perfection. And the case that springs to mind is one of my old lecturers. He was part of the British Gut Project and his diet is absolutely perfect. It's, his diet is to die for. It's just amazing. And he got tested on the British Gut Project, obviously expecting it to come out brilliantly. And what he found was actually there's limited diversity in his in his gut bacteria. Because he's restricted his diets too much. Yeah, yeah. because his diet's uber, uber healthy. But actually... It's uber healthy, but there's only a small amount of foods in there. And actually, for really good overall gut health, it is about that variety. Mm. It's about getting lots and lots of different foods into your diet, using the herbs and spices in your diet. Trying new things occasionally, trying foods that you've maybe not tried before. So you're getting that diversity to improve the gut health. Uh, And the only one... The only thing, therefore, that you could possibly say has no nutritional value whatsoever is manufactured sugar. Oh, yeah. That's the only baddie, right? If, if there was one thing that you would say, even with variety, you don't want 
a lot in it. It's sugar. Yeah. You can tolerate mediocre carbs and dairy, for example, even caffeine. But sugar, there is no use for it in the body whatsoever, right? Uh, so, you know. Yeah, it'll give you energy, but it'll give you it in, in it's a, a false, peak. It's a false energy, yeah, isn't it? It's it gives a you a peak, which you're going to fall off the back of relatively quickly. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, particularly with the afternoon energy slumps, people, lunchtime can be packed with, you know, sweets, fizzy drinks, you know, just those things where you kind of go, I'm having a rubbish day at work, so I'm going to have this to make myself feel better. And you'll feel better very, very quickly because, you know, that processed sugar does stimulate the um, happiness receptors in the brain. It activates the same receptors of And that's as why cocaine. you crave it again, right? Yeah, yeah, which is why we love it. Not that we've had cocaine, Lisa. Anything, <laughs> no, but... <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, when I'm saying I love it, I don't mean <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> But, you know, it's stimulating those receptors. So we feel great. But actually, that crashes down very, very quickly. And the only way to get another one is to have more sugar. Yeah. So it's that self-perpetuating cycle. And that can fast lead yeah. to a candida overgrowth or yeah. certain other, uh, you know, and weight, weight gain and oh, yeah. increased fat percentage and all that great stuff. So last question. Um, because there'll be people listening to this who are software developers, who are truck drivers, Right, who are on the road salespeople who are, you know, who drink a lot of energy drinks. It's become a bit of an epidemic. And I've worked with these. I mean, I've the one thing touch what I can always say is I've never been into them. I've never used energy drinks, Red Bulls and Wicked and all Wicked's, what is it? The Monster, Monster and yeah. Red Bull and all these high caffeinated uh energy drinks. And I've seen people throughout a day, I've two or three of them, I've seen, yeah. you know, because it's that I need the energy. I mean, the, the biggest piece of research, or the biggest research that's coming out on this is they are they can be catastrophic over a long period of time for your health. Yeah. And there will be people listening to this who, who are probably guilty of every day relying on that Red Bull or that energy drink to get through the day. Now, am I right in saying this combines sugar and caffeine yeah. in one hit? Yeah. Like tenfold as well, you know? Yeah, it's, it's again, it's that real kind of overdose of two things that – you know, caffeine on its own in small amounts isn't bad for us. Sugar on its own in small amounts isn't going to kill us, but it's small amounts. Lots of both of them At and the put together time. just has such a stimulatory effect. It stimulates your cortisol response, so it's increasing that stress receptor. Yeah. You know, you're impacting your blood sugar level really rapidly as well, yeah. which is going to crash down. It's affecting the way we produce our energy as well. So using these things... Once you get into the habit of using them two, three, four times a day, whatever you're doing, actually, you then just need more because the body eventually goes, well, actually, I'm not getting the same hit. Yeah. I'm not getting that same kick from this, so I need another can. And it's where do you go from that? You know, you're going to end up having 10, 20. Yeah. Where actually, Increases the heart rate, palpitations, anxiety. Yeah. You're setting, you might have an instant hit of energy, but you're setting yourself up for a spiral, right? Yeah. And if that cortisol is spiked, as we know with our psychology studies and mental health, if the cortisol tap is left on too long because you're spiking yeah. it all the time with energy drinks, you, the tap will just be left on. You could end up with yeah. actually drifting down a road of chronic anxiety or depression, right? Yeah. You, you can't yeah. spike cortisol that much in one day, right? Yeah. It, it serves as really well as a fight or flight, and it also serves as well when you've got to get up and do that presentation in the boardroom, switch on, this is important, it's yeah. time to shine. That's why you get a come down after you do anything or when you're nervous. But if you're just sat drinking Red Bulls or whatever it is all day long, and that cortisol release, that adrenaline response, 
it's going to set you up for for problems, yeah. serious problems. And you think that cortisol response ultimately, and you're right in saying that it's related to the fight or flight. It's expecting you to do something. Well, if you're having that, you know, that energy drink, and you're that sat driving ball, a lorry, yeah, or you sat on sales calls, yeah. yeah. So, what's the body doing with that? It's got this. It's expecting some kind of action because you are supposed to either fight it, you know kill it, run away from it. You're supposed to be doing something, but then you're just sitting there. And how's the body supposed to deal with that? It's ingrained in us. This is, you know, inherent in our genetics that we expect that response to happen, but then you're not doing anything with it. And that's never going to be helpful to the body, which is why we then see that kind of real aggravated reaction to it as, you know, particularly as you're getting the come down because the body doesn't know what's going on. You haven't been able to action that response. So you're then, you know, particularly if you're driving a truck or a wagon, you sat there feeling, you know, horrific. Yeah. Because you're getting this come down reaction and you want it, the body wants you to do something and all you can do is sit there and drive. Yeah. Or an hour later you have another one. Yeah. Because you need the spike again. Absolutely. Yeah. So Lisa, honestly, 25 minutes and we've, and I've not prepared any of that. We haven't prepared. They're the best hubcasts though. This is what we, we like with our guests. People say to me, what do you, gonna, what are you going to ask me, Martin? I'll say, just turn up on the day and we'll, we'll ask you <laughs> on the day. So let me just recap and then I'd like just to, to, to read your details out for anybody listening. And if you want to come through Trans2 or, or, or want Lisa's details, I want to chat about maybe how you can start to think about some of this education and uh, testing and plans for in the workplace and employees, then you know please get in touch and we can facilitate that. So um, we've talked about uh, the gut um, the gut health, the overall gut health and the gut brain connection and, and the connection on performance, you know, mm. what we what we eat and consume drives and fuels everything. Yeah. And therefore we try and treat the symptoms of every ailment and every illness, right? We try and reach certainly in the NHS or when you go to your GP or specialist, even me who's under consultants in the NHS for autoimmune, we try to treat the symptoms instead of the underlying cause. And quite often yeah. we can link everything back to the gut. So nutrition is incredibly important is what, yeah. is what we've said. We've talked about the big three, Caffeine, carbohydrate, sugar, they are absolutely prevalent in the workplace, more so than ever. We understand why busy schedules on the road, traveling, going from meeting to meeting, it's easy, it's convenience. But think about the long-term impact or think about if you are getting the best out of your energy throughout that day, eating and consuming in that way. And if you can make some subtle changes and add some variety in, it's going to make a huge difference. We've talked about gut testing. I fully believe in it. I've done it myself. It's opened my eyes to some stuff. It's made me make some changes and it's made a significant increase to my symptoms. There's still a way to go for us. We've got a new plan as of today. Um, You have to be patient. Now, Lisa's (laughs) going to laugh when I say that because I'm the most impatient man on the planet and I don't always, uh, I want it all to happen now when I I throw myself into it or I'll be off the wagon for a weekend. Um, But you've got to be patient with it because I think the long-term benefits are well worth it. And I think as HR professionals as managers in organizations as leaders of businesses we have to start thinking about what can we do on the education piece for our staff on some of the stuff we're doing but should we be providing a level of care where we at least offer the opportunities to go for some testing to get a gut health check Mm -hmm. and to see if there's anything underlying that maybe we can just with a bit of change we can fix yeah so lisa how can we get in touch with you have you got an email address a website or both. So it's www.lisahudson.co.uk. Um, and to contact me via email, it's hello at lisahudson.co.uk. 
And if you want to just come through to us at T2 or uh, through the hub or through us direct, we could always facilitate um, a discussion as well. Lisa and I are talking about potential collaboration opportunities in the future, but it's a huge part of it. So uh, I think we've got to take some some responsibility and take back some control over over what, what we're eating and you know, how we're performing. Yeah, take control of your own health. Absolutely. Yeah. Lisa Hudson, thank you very much. Thank and we'll you. Be, and we'll be back again with another T2 Hubcast. Thank you.